Across the Cavs is back. Zach Weiss giving you the latest from Cavaliers Kingdom. Today, Edgar Jones' birthday, the anniversary of Brad Darty being drafted, some playoff talk, and more. This episode of Across the Cavs is brought to you by DraftKings. Round two is no joke. This is where we separate the pretenders from contenders. Get some skin in the game with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. They are offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes each day. And the best part is, it's free-to-play. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPM when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It is Thursday, June 17th, 2021. Excited to be with you. And on this date, all the way back to 1956, a fellow by the name of Edgar was born, Edgar Jones. He was born in Fort Rucker, Alabama. Played high school ball in New Jersey. He was drafted by the Bucks in 1979. He played his rookie season with the New Jersey Nets. Finished that career with the Cavs, where he averaged 8 points and 4 rebounds in one year, 10 points and 4 rebounds in the next. He was a part of a playoff trip with, for the Cavs in 1985. However, they lost to the Celtics in four games. Jones averaged 6 points and 2 rebounds per game. In that postseason, Edgar Jones was a big-time dunker, partaking in the 1984 NBA dunk contest as a member of the San Antonio Spurs. Man had some serious game. <clears throat> he'd be he'd be a good player in the modern era, possibly as a stretch big if he worked on his game a little bit more. But at at 6'10", 225, he was not the most muscly player. But he will dunk on you. He will get you buckets. And he was just all-around quality player. Seems like a great guy, obviously, well before my time as a a person that was born in 1995. Missed his career live, but having seen the highlights and done some reading, it seemed that, you know, it was a guy that people liked, both in the locker room and in the crowd. So, on that note, a happy 65th birthday to our guy, Edgar Jones. Let's do a little bit of history. You know, you guys know how much I love history, especially Cavs history. You follow me on Twitter, you see today in 1970, the Cavs were formed. Today in 1989, Mark Price scored 37 points, dished out 10 assists, and a win over the Bullets. You know, there, there's so much to be had. There's so much history. And yes, new history happens every day in this league. You know, there's so much happening. Even on an off day in the offseason, you got a coach firing. Like yesterday, we had two head coaching jobs open. 
You had Chris Paul apparently contract COVID. Kawhi gets hurt. You have the Sixers blow a 26-point lead. I mean, this is history. I mean, anyone who's seen Uncut Gems, that's history. You hear me? Yeah. There's so much happening that I love looking back, and I know the future generations will look back on the things that happened in today's NBA and be like, today, 100 years ago, when we get to 2116, that's a scary thought. Today, in 2016, 100 years ago, the Cavs win their first ever title. Of course, we hope the Cavs have 20 championships by then, but, I, you know, I, I just I love history. So, June 17th, 1986, the Cleveland Cavaliers have the number one pick in the NBA draft. They took a seven-footer out of North Carolina. What is his name? Bradley Lee Darty. Yes, his name is Bradley Lee. Brad Doherty out of UNC made his debut on November 1st, 1986. Had four career triple-doubles, including one as a rookie. The man had so much skill, and it stinks. His career was limited to just eight seasons because of injuries. He only played 548 games on an NBA court, but he was a five-time All-Star and a one-time All-NBA selection. In those games for Doherty, in which he came off the bench, but twice... 19 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists per contest. Shot 53% from the field, 75% from the foul line. He averaged a double-double over each of his final four campaigns, and he had to retire at 28. Injuries stink. I mean, they're happening to everybody in the modern NBA now in these playoffs. Could argue it's because of the shortened season very aggressively. Can make an aggressive argument on that. There's, there's other reasons, possibly, but it's probably that. Regardless, though, they happen. They're a part of the game. You know, KD sadly went down in 2019 and opened the door for Toronto to close out the finals. We saw Clay go down in those finals. We, we as Cavs fans saw Kyrie go down in 2015, as long with Kevin Love. We saw Kevin Love injured a few times in the playoffs. We saw George Hill injured in the playoffs. These things happen. The Cavs did have to play a playoff game without Mark Price, but Doherty is just such a good talent. You know, he averaged 20 and 10 those three years, helped the Cavs to the playoffs in 88, 89, 90, 92, and 93. And, you know, it stinks. His playoff record, 18 and 23. It really stinks they couldn't win a title. He averaged 19, 10, and three assists in his playoffs. Yeah, he appeared in five All-Star games. Never started, but... He got in there, he averaged about 17, 16, 17 minutes a game in those all-star appearances. And if you look at his similarity scores through his first eight years, from how good he was, Marcus Gasol, Dikembe Mutombo, Alonzo Mourning, Bill Lambeer among those on the list. So, I mean, Doherty was just so good. And how's this? Dikembe Mutombo, known as one of the best defensive players to ever take the court, the best season he ever had for win shares, 11.3. Doherty's best, 12.7. That is just below Alonzo Mourning's best ever. It's above Jack Sikmas. It's above Dave Cowan. It's above Robert Parrish. It's above Mel Daniels. He had some very good seasons. And how about this? Just for what it's worth, while we're digging, win shares, he had his two best years were higher than Matumbo's best year. And Dikembe was better for probably a longer stretch, had a much longer time period in the NBA. But for, for those eight years, number 43 was rocking in Cleveland. So it was on this day, yes, in 1986, 
But the Cavaliers selected a man by the name of Brad Darty. And seven picks later, what do they do? They take a guy named Ron Harper. The end of his Cavs career was not what any of us expected it to be. It ended way too soon after just three seasons and then seven games in a fourth year. Apparently, Danny Ferry was worth it. Danny Ferry was not worth it at all. No disrespect to Danny Ferry, who did have 10 years with, with the team, but he wasn't worth Ron Harper. That was a horrible trade. And, I mean, I know Ron was not happy after Jordan hit the shot over Elo because it could have been Harper covering him, and maybe he thinks he could have stopped it. But come on. Why'd they ever trade Ron Harper? He was... In, in his, he was so good. In his rookie season, he averaged, what, 23-4-4? and More points than rookie LeBron that first season. He was a beast. Also in that draft, the Cavaliers drafted Johnny Newman at number 29. He played his first season with the Cavs, and 12 years later, came back to play another year there. So what does that tell you? It was only one season. It didn't last, but he must have enjoyed it. That getting that start because he came back to play that year. Johnny Newman was a part of those Hornets teams of the early 90s. You know, with, with Grandma, Grandmama Larry Johnson, you know, Kendall Gill, Lil Muggsy, Del Curry, who was also in this 1986 draft, played a year with the fellas in Cleveland. And you know who else was in that draft? Mark Price, of course. We got in a trade from the Mavericks, and here, here's a fun one. You might know this, you might not. The pick the Cavaliers sent to Dallas with which they drafted Mark Price, they took a guy named Jeff Hodge. Now, have you ever heard of Jeff Hodge? Do you know what NBA team Jeff Hodge played for, or what teams, how many years, how many games? Well, those questions can all be answered at the same time. Ready? On three. One, two, three, none. Jeff Hodge never played an NBA game. So basically, you got Mark Price for free. Yes, in retrospect, that's a player you didn't get to draft that maybe would have debuted in the NBA, but you got Mark Price giving up a pick that wound up being a guy that didn't even see an NBA court. So huge dub when you can get Harper, Darty, and Price in at the same time. Man, that's good. That's real good. And just something I like. This is more for me. This isn't about the Cavs, who obviously we'll talk about the lottery in a second. The 30th pick in this draft was a Stonewall defender. His name, Nate McMillan. What is Nate McMillan doing? On an, as the interim coach in Atlanta, he has them one win from the conference finals. Nate played his entire 12-year career in Seattle playing both the point and shooting guard positions. Two-time all-defense. Averaged three steals a game, primarily as a reserve in the 93-94 season. Thanks to Michael Jordan, he never won a ring. 1996, could not get it done. They did have some very good seasons. He had some good postseasons. Added a three-point shot later in his career. I mean, Nate McMillan was just such a hard-nosed player. You know Nate McMillan in just... And how about this? Okay. As a rookie. So I'm looking at this. As a rookie in the NBA. On February 23rd, 1987, against the LA Clippers. Who had a lineup 
of, right, I'm just going to quickly name the lineup, and you tell me how many of these players you've heard of. Michael Cage, who also played for the Cavs. Rory White, Quentin Daly, Benoit Benjamin, Darnell Valentine. The bench was Earl Cureton, Lancaster Gordon, Tim Kempton, and Stefond, that's S-T-E-F-F-O-N-D, Stefan Johnson. Also used Larry Drew. In this game, rookie Nate McMillan put up these stats. All right, eight points, eight rebounds, four blocks, 25 assists. As a rookie, now he's coaching the Hawks, possibly into the conference finals, again on the interim tag. Larry Drew was the interim head coach for the Cavs a couple of years ago, and it was not fun. Nate McMillan's the interim coach for the Atlanta Hawks, and that seems like a blast right now. They could very well lose the next two games to Philly, be bounced, and we won't talk about them for a long time. Or they might actually get it done. But Nate McMillan taken right after Johnny Newman, a few picks after Mark Price, and that very talented 1986 NBA draft class. So happy anniversary to that draft class of Ron Harper, Brad Daugherty, Mark Price, Johnny Newman, and of course, number 30 pick in Seattle, Mr. Nate McMillan, who, again, is doing the best coaching job of his career right now, and just give it up. I'm watching the playoffs. I'm sure most of you Cavs fans are, and if you're a diehard and you only watch the Cavs, you're not watching them right now, I I do respect that fully. I think it's great that you're able to keep the excitement of the NBA playoffs out of your routine because your boys aren't in there. So respect. But if you're watching like me, you know, you're finding new favorite teams probably. You're finding reasons to continue to watch. You're finding new favorite players. I mean, everyone does. You know, Clint Capella, now playing well for the Hawks. He came in as the Rockets' backup for the playoffs. I think it was in the 14-15 or 15-16 season. But in the regular year, Capella was not the backup center. It was Joey Dorsey who had been out of the NBA and played overseas, came back, had the backup job. Capella stole it from him to be Dwight Howard's primary backup. And Capella's performance off the bench was enough that the team was okay letting Howard go. And his time in Houston coming to an end. Capella was discovered in the playoffs. Troy Daniels, who didn't have the career some of us expected, discovered in the playoffs. We all knew Jamal Murray was good. We all knew Donovan Mitchell was good. Like, Donovan Mitchell was an all-star last year, pre-pandemic. Jamal Murray was was a good player who had good, I I could use better words than that, great, fantastic, magnificent, tremendous performances even in the playoffs. But what he did in the bubble last year... Became a hero to so many. And we know Trey Young's got game. As a second-year player, he was an all-star starter. But he's putting up playoff lines that haven't been seen in 30 years. He's the first guy since Tim Hardaway Sr. in 1991 to have a 25-point, 18-assist playoff performance. Like, come on. Guys emerge in the postseason. They catch everybody's eye. Everybody. I mean, look at Luke Kennard. Look, he had a rough season for the Clippers. It's It's no secret. They paid him a lot of money after acquiring him in that trade from Detroit. And, you know, they gave up Shamit to bring him in. Shamit went to Brooklyn. There was a pick involved. But look at him now in the postseason hitting big shots. Terrence Mann in and out of the rotation. 
dunked on Rudy Gobert inside of three minutes left in a road playoff game five against the best team in the NBA by record. So this is where everyone is discovered. Daniel Gibson had that 31-point playoff game six, put the Cavs in the 07 finals against the Pistons, who are the Cavs' biggest rival of the decade, arguably. I mean, guys show up big in the playoffs, then the next year begins, and you get excited because you get to watch them again. And lower stakes games, they're still going to perform, but if they lose, it's not like, okay, the season's limited. It's been so much fun to watch these playoffs. I've mostly stayed up, been able to make it through the entirety of four or five uh, Clippers-Nuggets games. I'm sorry, that was last year. Clippers versus... Jazz, who are now down 3-2. Jordan Clarkson's had his moments, and he's also been very bad at stretches. First half last night, what was going on with that guy? Or second half? He just totally fell off. And, you know, Clarkson is a guy we knew in Cleveland twice. We knew him before LeBron, and then we knew him when LeBron left, and he became, you know, the sixth man. And so we know he has game. We know that he can fill up the score sheet. But I'm going to look at the second half here. So first half first. Jordan Clarkson, 14 points, four threes, plus six net rating in the first half last night against the Clippers. Second half, 12 minutes, 46 seconds. 0 for 6 from the floor, 1 for 2 at the line. He logged 13 minutes, 1 point, 1 steal. That's it. Did not do much good. Was not great in that one. You know who was great in the second half? Terrence Mann, 11 points, 3 of 5 shooting, plus 11. Batum, Morris, and George each sat for less than, than 3 minutes in that second half, playing some major minutes. Patrick Beverly hit some big shots, and the Clippers got the win. You know, they have one former Cavalier on their roster, Yogi Ferrell. Cavs men might already forget who that is, and if you do, that's okay. Yogi only logged two games for the Cavs early this season, but he, he scored 19 points, grabbed seven rebounds, just out five assists. He made three threes, and he was 0 for 2 at the line in his very, and had three steals in a very brief tenure. Yogi Ferrell was an all rookie performer in 06 07, despite splitting the season between two teams. Because with the Mavericks. Drew, if you might remember this game, you might not. Dave Pash was on the call in a game that was broadcast on ESPN against Portland on Friday, February 3rd. He made nine threes. He scored 32 points. I mean, he just didn't get a lot of time with the Nets before they got rid of him. And he was just very good for Dallas as soon as he got there. His first game was January 29th. He started most of the games he played in. The Mavericks didn't lose a lot, but Yogi was fun to watch. So, good for him. He's the only Cav on this Clippers squad. Clippers are playing some real good basketball. And you have an another series that we haven't touched on, Bucks nets Joe Harris has surprisingly struggled. It's been so nice to root for him because he's played so well. He's found his shot. He's found himself as a defender. He's done so much good, but he's been quiet. And you want to see more about Jeff Green? Can we talk about Jeff Green for a second? Jeff Green is a huge part of why the Cavaliers made the NBA Finals that fourth year that they did in the 17-18 season. 
filled in for Kevin Love as a starter in so many key games. So here's Jeff Green's playoffs this year. 26 minutes against Boston in Game 1. Three points, four boards, three assists. Game 2 leaves with an injury. Misses the next six. Comes back, plays 26 minutes in the Game 4 loss to the Bucks. Minus four, he had eight points, five rebounds. Took a charge, he was okay. And then, no Kyrie. James Harden is limited. What does Jeff Green do in the team's 10th playoff game? In his fourth, it was only his second game of the month, and it's June 15th. Seven threes on eight attempts, plus 12, 27 points, three assists. All of his free throws went in, played good D, exceptional stuff. He was in and out of the net starting lineup throughout the year, and, you know, the team was 44-24 and 24 when Jeff Green played. In all, he started 38 games. He had some great performances. But that 27 points, that was his season high. He was so good for them. You know, he really couldn't have wanted more than that. Jeff Green did not score 27 points at all last season in the NBA. We know that he had his good moments with the Cavs. But, okay, 2018-19 season. He did not score at least 27 points. So just for what it's worth, we're going to keep digging. We're at all the way back to 2017-2018. That was his highest scoring output since he scored 33 for the Cavs in a tight loss to Philly, shooting 10 of 12 on April 6th, 2018. His highest scoring output since then. And his playoff high with the Cavs was just 19. And yes, these Nets are not the Cavs. Not in any way, shape, or form. They're a different ball club. They have Kevin Durant, who plays very different than LeBron James did. They have a limping James Harden, who still... Cavs didn't really have a player like that. With a step back, with his arsenal of passes and moves. And so, he's finding his niche. Playing with his buddy James and his buddy Kevin. They were together in OKC. Hard and Green were together in Houston as well. Now they're reunited again. And you got to be happy for Jeff Green. Remember he had the open heart surgery. Missed a full season. His life was in jeopardy. But he's come back. Couldn't win a title with the Cavs. Never won with the Thunder. Couldn't help the small ball Rockets get it done. While the Nets were, were in peril and struggling... Jeff Green was on fuego. He kept the minute long enough for, for Kevin Durant to just say, you know what? I'm going to go supernova. Remember that meteor that knocked out the dinosaurs? Well, I'm going to be the meteor that knocks out the Bucks, And that's exactly what he was doing in Game 5. The series is not over. Not by a long shot. Milwaukee Bucks have Giannis. They have Drew. They have Chris Middleton. And they have a guy that I still want to come to Cleveland someday. His name's Bryn Forbes. Anything can happen in that series. Anything, literally. So we will see what happens. This isn't a place for me to make my predictions. Might have mentioned in my intro that I'd make a prediction. There is no prediction to be made. I am just enjoying these games as a neutral fan, finding teams to root for and players to root for and trying to covet my next jersey of a non-Cavs player. Should anybody be good enough to get that? 
to get that honor from me. You know, I'm just I'm just a fan, but I love I love to dabble in the Jersey game. So we'll see. But it has been so much fun to watch these playoffs. We have the draft lottery coming up in five days. This will be the final topic of today. So you look at Cavs uh, Twitter, not not the Cavs Twitter, but the actual Cavaliers Twitter account, and you do that. You go down. They haven't been posting a lot. And I'll give you the odds of each pick. First pick, 11.5%. Second pick, 11.4%. Third pick, 11.2%. Fourth, 11%. Fifth pick, 2%. Sixth pick, 18.2%. Seventh pick, most likely, 25.5%. Eighth pick, 8.8%. Ninth pick, a measly 0.6% chance. So there are a lot of options in play. No matter where the team lands, I do believe they'll draft a good player. If for whatever reason they're not happy with, the, with where they are and they want to move, move out of it, perhaps you can package a future pick to move up and get someone big now. You only do that if you're confident that whoever you draft can get you to the playoffs this season. If you're not playing for postseason basketball, which they should be, this is going to be Colin Sexton's fourth year. So we want to see him in the playoffs. You know, Trey got in in year three. Luka got in in year two. Aiton got in in year three. And again, they're all surrounded by different supporting casts. But those are the mates of Colin from the 2018 draft. You don't want to be like Marvin Bagley and never make the playoffs. You know, you want to get in there now. Jaron Jackson's been in uh, now in his second season. You got to find a way in. Do anything you can to lift your team up and on to the playoffs. You know, I think Colin's good enough. But whatever happens with the lottery, I'm hoping for a top five pick. You know, fifth pick's very unlikely to get for a third straight year. 11% at one through four. That's a one in nine chance. That's not as unlikely as it seems. And a lot of things do hold to form in the lottery, in the lottery but there's always one or two surprises. So would love a high pick. Would love to see Cade Cunningham. Beyond that, you know, I, I'm not a huge college basketball guy. Watch the March Madness. I know Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs. Could be options, maybe. You know, Evan Mobley would be great to have if he can play the four. Larry Nance will become the backup. Kevin Love, like, you know, might go extinct. So, as in his time in Cleveland will be done. The competitive flame has kind of burned out already. So, and then you'll have Dean Wade, you know, playing some, some mop-up minutes. Maybe some small forward minutes. You got Dylan Wendler coming back healthy. You know, you got a Coro. It's a young team with a lot of talent. One more piece could do it. And if for some reason you get a top pick, a top three pick, and you're thinking that's a chance to, to move Kevin Love, I don't think this will happen, but it's a chance to move Kevin Love. Maybe you package it for a really good player that can help you as much as a top pick in this draft, but probably wouldn't do that. Kate Cunningham is, the, is obviously the goal. Evan Mobley would be cool. You know, uh, Jonathan Kaming, Kuzminga, Kaminga. I don't have his name in front of me. I'm sorry if I got it wrong. He could be a good piece as well, but we'll see. You know, lottery's coming up next week, five days away. Nervous and excited, both at the same time. That's it for this edition of Across the Cavs. Thank you all for listening. 26 solid minutes of myself talking Cavs, talking NBA. Hope you enjoyed it, and I look forward to coming back soon. This is Across the Cavs. I'm Zach Weiss. Peace.